Most ideas come from a conversation, possibly with friends, and then that's when you become co-founders and partners in the business as well. The Startup Student Podcast, the podcast for students who want to be their own boss, where students and experts from across the world and I, Christine, give you practical advice. We are looking into tips all around starting and marketing your own business, as well as productivity to better balance your student and business life. Turn your idea into reality. I'm your host, Christine. Let's start this episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's Christine, your host of the Startup Student Podcast. And today I'm joined by the fantastic David Bell that I know for years and years and years now. He's a friend. He's a business partner. I've been on his shows and it was time for him to be on my show. Welcome, David. Good afternoon, Christine. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, great to be on your podcast. We are kicking off a new series. As you know, I always have a series of four episodes with each guest. And this one is about the phases of a startup. But before we kick off and talk about what you should maybe probably do before you're actually launching anything, let me ask David to introduce himself. So David, who are you? What do you do? Tell us also about your business breakfast show and anything else that you're involved in. Well, even though that could take obviously the entire episode because I know you're involved in so many projects, but tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, no, thank you, Christine. Yeah, I've got 28 years of running businesses under my belt. I'm going to try and squeeze all of this into maybe two and a half minutes maximum. But my journey started off when I left school and I decided to set up my first technology business, an IT company based in the UK. And we provided managed services and support services to B2B, so business to business clients, looking after their computer networks and providing their hardware such as PCs and laptops and servers, workstations and mobile devices. And that was back in the early 90s. But in the mid 90s, we moved into a much more niche market providing telecommunications, more specifically wireless connectivity solutions. And that allowed us to connect buildings or multiple sites together using radio waves or laser beams or what we call free space optics. So rather than having fiber cables or cables in the ground, we had a lot more freedom, much more flexibility because we could connect distances up to 250 kilometers apart. And that really set us apart from the competition. The USP for us was we were very niche at what we did. We were experts in the field of connectivity and communications and it allowed us to work with big blue chip organizations such as the Harrods Group, Dell, Apple, Ford, lots of other motor franchises, Caterpillar, the kind of the list of blue chip companies goes on and on and on but we also had an array of smaller organizations as well. Fast forward, I run that business in partnership in partnership with my partner for 18 or almost 18 years. But in 2013 or late 13, early 14, I decided it was time to exit that business and start a new journey. I already had Simbok, which is my business tech and consulting company running. And I decided to spend more time running that business, getting more involved, helping startup organizations, helping small to medium sized enterprises automate, systemize their internal processes, making them more profitable making them more functional and giving them better direction to grow their business. So that's kind of what I do now on a day-to-day basis under the brand of Simbok, helping businesses to be become better at using technology to drive their businesses forward. 
And as you say, Christine, another thing that I've been involved with, with a good friend of ours called Nick Luby, is the Chatbox Business Breakfast Show, where we're interviewing great guests with great stories, finding out more about who they are, what they do, why they do it, the decisions they've made along their business journey, the mistakes they've made, and the successes that they've had. And you've been on our show a number of times, and we've had some wonderful conversations as well. Yes, that is true. And also, I would like to mention, because obviously we have also some students listening, I know that you're involved a lot with also universities, and you've done in the past a lot of work with universities where you supported the students that wanted to start their own business. That's correct. Yeah, back in 2019, even though I've been working with this university now for over 10 years, but back in 2019, Anglin Ruskin University gave me a fellowship as their entrepreneur in residence, which was fantastic. I love working with startups, certainly within the student environment as well. They've got so much fire in their belly, willing to learn, and they've got so much uh, they want to take on. And, you know, the drive there is how can I do this? Can you help me? Can you join the dots? Can you open doors and opportunities for me? So I do a lot of work with Anglin and Ruskin University. I also support another university as their entrepreneur in residence called Rittle University College. And yeah, and education as well. I'm a STEM ambassador, which is science, technology, engineering and maths. I'm one of 30,000 STEM ambassadors across the UK. I've been doing that for just over 10 years now. And I this week, I got my 500 hours badge for voluntary work to STEM, which is a, you know, is an absolute honor to know that I've given some time, but hopefully helped others on their journey of career, or maybe starting launching their own business. <laughs> wow, so very impressive. Thank you very much. And if anyone wants to know more and link up with him and find out more about the Breakfast Show and all of that, you can, as usual, find all the links to that on creativestartupacademy.com slash podcast. So let's start our conversation about the phases of a startup. I mean, there's probably even more than we will tackle and we just touch on certain points and certain phases and they are also called differently if you look in uh, different textbooks if you're looking into different blogs and so on but we we try to keep it simple and we want to talk a bit more about in this episode about what you should actually do or what would be good for you to do before you're actually thinking and starting with your business so david do you want to maybe kick off and mention maybe the the first thing you think everyone should do that's is thinking about starting a business. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, look, I think, you know, certainly during the pandemic, lots of ideas have spanned from side hustles. You know, we've had a little bit more time on our hands because we were locked away, not, not through necessarily through choice because we had to be. And it gave us opportunity to maybe scour, you know, the internet, look around us, speak to people. Some of us did start side hustles, you know, and it might have been from a hobby or an interest. And quite often a business comes from a hobby or interest as well. But first thing is, I suppose, when it comes from a, you know, when we talk about startups, how does it happen? It comes from an idea. Quite often we see something that we think we can do that better. Or maybe it is, I don't think they're doing that the best way. You know, if they were to do this, that and the other, and then we kind of think, okay, how can I do this? How can I do it better? And that is all about the idea. So for me, a startup starts with an idea. At the time, you don't even maybe even think about it being a fully fledged corporation, organization. 
it's just an idea. And for me, it's taking a notepad, grabbing a pen or pencil, sitting down and kind of however you do that, mind map it, jot down bullet points, just start to offload everything that's going around in your mind and map it onto, you know, into a some sort of legible way that others can understand, including yourself. And if there's more than one of you, i.e. there's a couple of you, you're sharing ideas, you're talking about it and, you know, get a big sheet of paper and all start contributing towards that and thinking about what your idea is, what problem does it solve? Because every business is basically about solving a problem, fixing something, making it better. So what problem do you solve or what can you do better? And start to lay it out and start to almost create the jigsaw. At the moment, the bits are all over the place, but you're just starting to map it out and look what it looks like. Yeah, that is actually a great, that's great, actually great advice because people I'm talking to that have ideas in their head really have difficulties formulating them and communicating them to people. Not, I'm not talking about the perfect pitch or anything, and that's also what you're not talking about. It's just, okay, getting a bit of clarity, putting it into a structure so that you and other people actually understand what you want to do. And I talk to a lot of people and then they talk and talk and for like 10 minutes, I, I, I stop following them. I can't even following them, even if I want to, but I stop them most of the time and say, I'm really sorry, I still do not understand what you actually want to do. I would like to also add one thing maybe I would say they should put on the sheet because for me that's a very important and can be a big motivational factor. Why are you actually doing this? What's the idea? What problem are you solving? Why do you want to do this? What is your motivation as a person, as a team and as the business actually? Yeah, 100%, Christine. I mean, lots of people start a business, you know, not really thinking about really where that business is going to go. I mean, sometimes it's good to start with the end in mind. But let's be honest, most startups don't start with the end in mind, i.e. am I going to how am I going to exit the business? You know, is it going to be something that I can sell, pass down the family and stuff like that? Most ideas come from a conversation, possibly with friends. And then that's when you become co-founders and partners in the business as well. So yeah, Understanding the why, Simon Sinek says, what is your why? But I don't know if every time a startup starts, if they've got that why. I think you need to think about it. You need to understand what your why is, what your motivation is, what's driving you towards it. But sometimes I think you don't understand what that is when you start out. So it's worth working on that. Part of when you're mapping out your ideas and putting all the reasons down, explore your why. What is it you want? What is it you want to get from it as well? For some it will be about money. I want to earn, you know, a lifestyle that I'm acquainted to or a better lifestyle. Some it will be for flexibility to be able to plan and manage their own time. For some, it will be that they want to be in control of their destiny, not being told what to do and when to do it. And for some, it's because they see a niche, they see a gap, they see an opportunity, and they know they can do it better. So it's different for everybody. But ultimately, we're all there for one reason. And it's because we're going to enjoy it and have fun as well. Yeah, for sure. And also, I mean, if you start writing things down, things, unless you really do it, but <laughs> things are not written in stone and they will evolve and change over time. And it's also important 
important that they will evolve because you might have a business idea and we should not be too fixed on that idea exactly as you imagined it at the beginning because you will have to listen to what the market says, what the potential customers say. Maybe something doesn't work from a technology point of view and you might have to change it slightly. You will have to adjust over time. So in general, yes, I do understand what you said about uh, people not knowing necessarily their motivation and why and I didn't mean like okay this is in the end what I want to do but people sometimes the motivation can be I do not want to work for someone else <laughs> I want to work for myself this is actually a lot of times why people want to start their own business but they might not have the idea <laughs> they say I want to do something but I don't know what or I have this idea because I came across something that annoyed me and I couldn't find a proper solution and this is why I want to to start this so this is more what I meant in okay what was the initial thought of the why which is goes a bit hand in hand with which problem does it solve yeah no definitely and also you know lots of people do start their own business because they want to earn more money they may be working for somebody and they think you know I'm working really hard here as much as I enjoy it the people I work with they might get a bit frustrated thinking you know I know what this service or this product's being charged out for and I'm getting a proportion of that, and I'm pretty sure I can do it better. And if I can do it better and I can get the customers, then I'm going to make more money out of it individually. So that can be a driver for some people. It's about the, the money, not because they're greedy, because everyone always inspires maybe for something a little bit extra. But as I say, some want that flexibility. You know, they're working long hours and they might have family commitments, children, you know, relatives they maybe support and look after. So they want that flexibility. I, I don't want to start working until 10 o'clock or I want to work in the evenings. I don't want to work weekends or I do want to work weekends. It's different for all of us what we really want to get out of it. And I don't think there's one size that fits all. That is the great thing about running your own business, being in control of your own destiny. You are there to decide how you build, how you shape, and how you manage and develop your business going forwards. Yes, for sure. Another thing that I'm often asked, being asked, or where people are a bit, let's say, afraid of is, yeah, I have all these ideas, but I don't know where to start. But I also don't want to talk to anyone about it because I think it's a great idea and I don't want anyone to steal it. <laughs> now, there's two sides of it. Of course, people might steal, in air quotes, uh, your idea. But then you also have to ask yourself, okay, does it maybe, and this is part of the market research, of course, maybe there is already a solution that you don't know about, the same solution maybe even. But what do you, what would you say to someone who says, okay, I have this idea, but I do not want to talk about this with anyone. Obviously, I would always suggest to talk to people about it because that's part of the market research, part of testing and getting feedback and making it better, getting an expert advice on it. And there's obviously ways to protect your idea before you even talk to people. But what would you say if someone says that? Now, this is really common. This comes up a lot. What happens is people say, look, I've got this idea, but I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to share it because if I do, they might copy it and get there before me. Or they might, you know, steal my idea. Now, I have never come across anyone that I've supported, worked with in all my business time, 28 years almost now, where that has happened. I think you've got to be kind of open to a degree, protective, of course. You know, you don't want to give away the recipe, you know, from the outset. But 
What you do need to do is you need to find people who can support you and help you. Mentor good business acquaintances and friends. You've got to be able to to put an element of trust into place, absolutely 100%. So you're not going to just turn around someone and you've never met before and then give them everything because that might not be the smartest move. But you're never going to be able to move your idea forward if you're not willing to open and discuss it and chat about it. And quite often you'll see, if you watch like the Dragon's Den scenario, they'll go in there and pitch for, for money. We can talk about that at a later stage, but they go in there and pitch for funding. And they say, well, I'm not going to tell you any more about it. And of course, the first thing is the investors go, well, if you can't tell me anymore, there's no way I can invest. So for me, you've got to be able to share your idea. You don't have to give you know, all your intellectual property away. You just need to be able to explain it, what problems it solve, Potentially, how does it work? But you don't need to go down to nuts, bolts and everything like that. Now, you could put into place something like a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA, which is signed by both parties. It's an NDA in both directions. So it protects you as much as it protects the person you're working with as well. And they are good. They set out certain guidelines and certain parameters for how you're going to work together. But they're not legally binding. And if it if someone was to steal your idea and you decided to take them to court, one, it's costly to do so. Two, it gives you good grounds to be able to bring that NDA up and say, look, this is what we discuss. But it's really hard to prove this sometimes. So for me, work on trust, work on relationships. Don't go and just talk to someone you've never met before and automatically come out with everything. Build some relationship in the initial stages because that is going to have to happen. And I'll be honest, I don't think there's many ideas out there this day that is absolutely unique and never been done before. I think most ideas have competition. Most ideas have other people out there locally, nationally, internationally doing a similar type product or service. It's about how you're going to do it better. So if you do have something unique and it's totally 100% never been done before because you've done your market research and you've tested the water and you've done all of that, and you're worried about talking about it, come and speak to me. I'm always looking for the next Apple or Tesla or SpaceX or something like that. I'll be willing to talk to you, sign away my life, sign an NDA if you really think that you've got something that is outstanding, different and never been done before. (laughs) Yes, and so true. There is probably not one thing, well, let's say, Every generation and every year comes with new challenges and new problems that need to be solved. If we're talking about a global level, community level, personal level for businesses, it also depends in in what area in in industry you're going to solve a problem. But yeah, you're right. And also, if I ever hear someone saying there are no competitors, I always say that is not true because of course there might not be exactly like you're saying exactly the same thing not has has not been done before but there will be other solutions to the same problem there will be workarounds there will be other technology there will be other products there will be other service that will be able to say to solve the problem the same way but like you just said david it's about solving it quicker more efficient or cheaper that's usually what it's about so people want to save time people want to save money and if you have a solution that's saving 
uh, that's solving the same problem like another product but in a better way in a more efficient way in a more cost effective way then that what makes your product better than the other one so be aware there will be always competitors and I call them indirect competitors if they're not having exactly the same solution that you have and you should look at them and you should ask people as well that are using that other product what, what they think what would make it better and that will help you as well to improve actually. Yeah and it's really important that you do look at what other are doing in the marketplace. Look at your competition, analyze who they are, how they do it, what they are doing, what could you do better, how could you cut costs, how could you make more, you know, be more profitable? You know, maybe you could find a better supplier or particular components. You know, it, there's so many things that you should look at. But what I will say with competition, know your competition really, really well, but talk to them as well, because so many opportunities come from partnerships. So many acquisitions come from finding out and working with your competition. Now, it might not be direct competition. They might just do part of what you do. And you and them coming together make, you know, two is better than one. Now, it's not going to happen in all scenarios. I get that. But I know so many times where competitors working in the same space come together and they form a combined partnership or one company. You know, they actually merge do a merger and acquisition and they become bigger, better, stronger, more profitable, and of course, a better team as well. If, if it's just two people coming together, two brains are better than one. If it's they've got both got teams, then you're getting all that resource in-house. So for me, understand your competition, look at what they do, look at how they do it. Can you make it better? Can you partner with them? Is there opportunity to do so? And lastly, when we're talking about a competition as well, look outside of your market space, outside of your sector. So I quite often use the analogy looking at Apple because most people know who Apple computers are from the great products that they produce. And there's a lot to learn by looking at other organizations out there. Look at what they do. They've spent, in this case, you know, someone like Apple, millions, if not billions of pounds in market research, in promoting, advertising, marketing. Now, I'm not suggesting because you're not in a tech, you know, you could be in equine, for example, you could be in a very different, diverse business. But what you can do is you can look at what they do well. You can then swipe some of their ideas and redeploy them. Maybe some of their marketing strategies, maybe some of their survey way, maybe the way they set out their shops or, or whatever it could be. There's so much to learn by looking at competition outside of your market sector. So don't be blinkered. Don't just look in one direction. Look all around you in 360 degrees and you'll be surprised what you will find. I completely agree. And it's like reading my mind with the competitors, looking at them as partners. This was actually this week, my tip for a community that I'm involved in, a mindful community for mindfulness teachers, and they asked me to, to come up with some tips for business and for, for marketing. And I, the tip was exactly that, look at your competitors and look at them and see who might become partners. And exactly, I just wrote exactly what you just said. So thank you for confirming that. I'm, I'm very glad you brought that up. Right, so I think we're coming almost towards the end, but is there anything else you wanted to to mention that we haven't mentioned yet before someone launches i mean we picked up on the on the main things and we won't be able to 
cover everything because then we're probably going to talk for hours but I just wanted to ask if there anything else you wanted to mention before we finish this episode yeah, I mean look, starting a business and I'm not going to sugarcoat it is not always the easiest thing it ha- it's great it's fun it's rewarding it has its challenges it will have its ups and its downs your good days and your bad days there'll be obstructions and obstacles in your path we'll always be trying to divert you but that is the fun of running your business that's what it's about that's what that's what makes startups so much fun because it's the it's the learning it's the new experience every day's a school day every day you're going to learn something keep your eyes open your ears open look around you talk to people don't be afraid to share find yourself some good advisors coaches mentors someone that will take you under their wing look what others do as we said see if you can read you know swipe and redeploy it and finally, I'd add into here, we, we kind of touched on in the very early stages, but we didn't use the words. Look at the business planning canvas. I know you're a, you know, you're a great advocate for it as well, Christine, but the business planning canvas is an awesome opportunity. You can go on, just Google it, and you'll find the business planning canvas. Download the template. Start to use that as your mapping out opportunity. So rather than just having a big blank sheet of paper, what it does, it gives you nine modules works your kind of way through the things that you need to think about as a startup idea and it helps you kind of build out that plan it's not a full page you know a full business plan it's a one-page business plan and it, the idea is to get you thinking about your idea looking at the markets looking at your competition looking at the opportunity looking at your finances so can highly recommend the business planning canvas Yes, you're right. And I I gave lots and lots of workshops on how to fill that in, actually. And I'm also a big fan. I will make sure I link back to that also on the podcast page. So you can just go and find on there the download link. So creativestartupacademy.com slash podcast. And yeah, there's lots and lots in there. And I agree. I mean, not everyone needs to have a 70 page business plan before they actually launch. However, before you launch any product or service, you should have done your homework and know if it's actually going to work. And yeah, like I say, adjust it also along the way. If you do, if you are looking for investors, that's a bit of a different story. You will have to have your your business plan ready, but you also should have been already in the testing phase or have that behind you basically and tested everything and have some results before you actually go to investors. Right. That leaves me to wrap up the episode. In the next one, we will be actually talking about the starting phase. So you actually kicking off the business and uh, have started maybe your business and we're going to have a little chat about that thank you so much for your time david and i'm looking forward to recording the next episode with you yeah i look forward to too christine thank you very much that was it thanks for tuning in and just to let you know there's a free 30-day kickstart your business challenge available on my website creativestartupacademy.com kickstart and it turns your business idea into reality in just 30 days and if you could leave a review for this podcast please 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 do so because it will help me with my ranking thanks so much i'm looking forward to talking to you next time bye bye